Hello, my name is Jessica, and welcome to the first episode of Pocket Loss. Today's episode is on Nintendo. I've been playing video games for as long as I can remember, and it all started with Super Nintendo. One of my first games was Super Mario Brothers, a game that even after gaming for 20 years, I still can't manage to be good at. I had other games too, like Paperboy, Donkey Kong, Final Fantasy, and many, many others. Over the years, I've owned various Nintendo consoles like Game Boy, the DS, the Switch, and from this list, you can tell that I primarily prefer using handheld consoles. Technology has advanced a very long way over a short period of time, and I think as a child, I didn't really grasp how truly amazing it was that we went from 8-bit graphics to very detailed 3D graphics. I just kind of blindly accepted everything. Nintendo is like the Disney of the video game world. You know them from childhood, and a lot of their content seems to keep being remade into newer and maybe better versions. Nintendo was actually founded in 1889 as a card company. Now these cards aren't like Pokemon cards or the cards you use for poker. Uh, they were called Hanafuda. They had pictures on them inspired by nature. There were 12 suites, each representing a month in the year. There are many games you can play with these kinds of cards none of which I have heard of, so I'm not going to mention any of them. Eventually, these cards were associated with gambling and criminal activity, and they stopped being popular around 1960. In 1975, Nintendo made the first electronic gaming system. One of the games Nintendo made, which was called Radar Scope, wasn't doing so well. In 1980, at the age of 27, Shigeru Miyamoto, having been tasked with remaking it, instead ended up developing the famous Donkey Kong. This is the first game to feature Mario, or as he was known then, as Jumpman. During the 80s, when this was all going on, video games were actually dying in America. Nintendo had big plans, though, and they eventually launched the NES on October 18, 1985. The release of the NES caused a revitalization in the American market, and they released a lot of unique accessories to try to appeal to a broader audience. One of these things was called the Power Pad, and it was a floor mat controller you could use that later inspired DDR mats. You may know Rob from Super Smash Brothers, but he was another accessory Nintendo released. He was the first interactive robot, and while impressive, he could only play two games, both of which apparently weren't even that great. Remember Miyamoto, who I mentioned earlier? So... With the NES being released, Miyamoto, being the creative genius that he was, came up with two very well-known and loved games, Super Mario Bros. and The Legend of Zelda. Now, I want to talk about Shigeru Miyamoto, aka the greatest game designer of all time, aka Daddy of Game Design. 
he actually wanted to be a manga artist, but that didn't pan out, and thank god for that. Instead, with being curious about gaming, he joined Nintendo in 1977. He showed the president at the time some toys he had created, and he ended up becoming Nintendo's very first video game artist. With how successful he's become, it makes you think maybe it's okay to give up on some dreams. You might find new ones. He created the art for a game called Sheriff and then went on to work on Radarscope. And as I mentioned, with Radarscope, he ended up making Donkey Kong. He was actually tasked with adding new features to the game, but instead decided to explore other ideas he had. Miyamoto had all these ideas for characters and games, but he wasn't sure if the technology at the time could accomplish everything he envisioned. He also couldn't code games himself, so he found it very challenging to explain his ideas to people. He said that originally in Donkey Kong, uh, Mario was a carpenter, but when they came out with Super Mario Brothers and had all the pipes, it made sense to make Mario a plumber. The mushrooms in Mario were actually inspired by things like Alice in Wonderland. He actually gave Mario a hat simply so they wouldn't have to pixelate Mario's hair moving in the game. Miyamoto was quoted as saying, I think Mario became so popular because the actions in the Mario games are something that are innate to humans everywhere. Everyone is afraid of falling from a great height. If there is a gap that you have to cross, everyone's going to try and run to jump across the gap. These are things that are uniquely human and are a shared experience across really all people. Miyamoto's other popular game, Legend of Zelda, was largely inspired from his childhood. He apparently was quite the little explorer. Miyamoto has said that the most important feature in a game is making it unique. He said in an interview that as an artist, the greatest thing is being given the ability to create whatever you want. And I'm paraphrasing this. He's someone that really cares about the games he creates, and he wants to create games that he himself will enjoy. He believes that if he loves the game, other people will love it too. A little fun fact, his hobby is guessing the dimensions of objects. He carries around a tape measure with him everywhere. Like, how nerdy is that? Can you imagine? Do you think he just goes up to a woman and is just like, Oh, your band size, it's 36. I mean, I don't know. But uh, for guys, the band size on a bra is the circumference under your boobs. You could find a really in-depth article on Miyamoto on NPR. Another fun fact. His idol is George Lucas, which makes sense because he sounds like a huge nerd. And Star Wars did come out when he was a young man. Will there ever be a future Mario Star Wars crossover? Just imagine if you will for a moment. Nintendo has always strived to be a good family company. Even in the early days with Super Nintendo, they had co-op versions of a lot of the games they had, like Mario Brothers, where you could play Mario, and then your brother or sister could play Luigi, and then whenever one of you died, it was the other person's turn, or when you completed a level. They also had the Kirby games, which you could play alongside anybody you were playing with. 
1989, the Game Boy was released. Can you believe that that was so long ago? Launch with titles like Tetris and Super Mario Land. Now, with all the great games that were on the Game Boy and Game Boy Color, somehow Tetris managed to be the best-selling game. Now, don't get me wrong, Tetris is great, but only if you like have nothing to do. I mean, you're just staring at a screen, eliminating rows by stacking blocks. It's not that entertaining. There's no story there. Since we're talking about the Game Boy, let's talk about Pokemon. It was released in 1996. I personally had Pokemon Blue. I think one of my brothers had Red. I decided to pick Squirtle as my main Pokemon, and I played so much Pokemon, you guys. And I know I'm not the only one who loved Pokemon. When Pokemon Go was released, we saw a lot of 90s kids just out there playing hours and hours of Pokemon Go. And, you know, that reflects how, as children, we spent hours and hours grinding our Pokemon, getting them to the best level they could be. Uh, for any of our non-gamers listening, grinding is when you do battle after battle battle, trying to get your Pokemon or any character you're using to a higher level, uh, which means, again, to non-gamers, making them more powerful. Eventually, Pokemon Crystal came out, and it was the first Pokemon game that had a female character, and Kid Me was so pumped there was a girl trainer. And it instantly became my favorite game. I spent hours into it, and I know... I know there's a lot of nerds out there that are like, stop adding female characters, stop adding people of color, and I I really disagree with that. I think representation is really important. Gaming, you know, when you're exposed to games, it's often at a young age, and you want to be able to relate to the character you're using. Pokemon Crystal was really great, and by far my favorite Pokemon game. It was a true sequel in the sense that you could explore the new country and then go to the old country that was in the previous game. There was so much to do, so many badges to collect. By the end of it, you really felt like a Pokemon master, and I'm kind of sad future games didn't feature all the old gems. Sadly, as I get older, I don't really enjoy the battle system, the turn-based gaming that Pokemon has. I really can't sit there and play hours and hours of the same repetitive battle over and over again just to be as high of a level as I need to be. Since Pokemon was such a big impact on a lot of people, I wanted to talk about its creator, Satoshi Tajiri. As a child, he enjoyed collecting insects, which I believe is something that is commonly known about him. He wanted to become a scientist that studied bugs, but over time, Japan lost a lot of its natural habitats. Forests were being turned into towns and roads. There was a lot of Studio Ghibli movies about respecting nature, and you should watch them. They're pretty good. Anyway, his bug collection later inspired Pokemon collecting. Interestingly, he started his company Game Freak as a magazine company. He reviewed various arcade games, published gaming strategies. He sold his magazine for 300 yen, which is about 279 in today's US dollars. At one point, he sold 10,000 copies for a thing he did on this game called Zabius. 
Eventually, after pitching a few game ideas, he turned his magazine company into a video game company. Talk about switching gears. He says that he was frustrated there weren't a lot of good games out there at the time, and he was like, why not make my own? Which I think, you know, is a great idea for anybody to pursue. If you see a need for something, why not do it yourself? And you know, that's just what he did. He taught himself to code in two years and eventually released his first game, which was called Quinty. It's an action game slash puzzle game. He had the idea for Pokemon in 1990 and he took a big risk in pursuing the creation of this game, which we know now really paid off. Times were hard for him. He gave up his salary. He was living with his parents. His company almost went bankrupt and he was working crazy hours, but he says that was normal for him. I think it was like he'd work two days straight and then he'd take a day off. Honestly, I'm surprised he didn't die or fall ill. It took six years to develop Pokemon and Nintendo was happy to see that its sales steadily rose and how it quickly became one of their top game series. Funnily enough, Tajiri also says that if he didn't become a game designer, he would have pursued something involving manga or anime, just like Miyamoto. 1996, the Nintendo 64 was released. It's one of the consoles I owned, and I played a ton of Zelda, a ton of Mario 64. No surprise, but Mario 64 was one of the best-selling games, and you'll see a trend that Mario games are often the best-selling game for a lot of these consoles. Nintendo 64 also introduced the much-loved Super Smash Brothers. It's a crossover fighting game that had characters from various Nintendo games like Pikachu, Kirby, and Mario. It's a really popular series with many tournaments held today. I did some research on these tournaments. Some of them you could even win like over $80,000. Can you imagine? I actually briefly dated a professional Super Smash Brothers player. I, I don't know if he was good or if he even made a ton of money off the game because he did have a normal person job. Plus he was like a huge stoner and he told me that he could guess your personality based off of which Super Smash Brother character you picked in the game. He kind of judged me because... I hadn't played the game since I was a kid. I just picked Pikachu because it was cute. Like, okay, who's my character of choice nowadays, you ask? Me, Swordfighter. It's the only character that really comes naturally for me to play. Uh, Super Smash Brothers is unique to other fighting games because you're trying to launch your opponent in the air. There's not a health bar, but there's like a percentage of them most likely being able to be launched into the air. You can choose to use items which may or may not make the fight easier. Smash Brothers over the years has had many loved characters included in the game. In the newest version on the Switch, you can even have a lot of characters as spirits that help you in battle. It's really evolved over time. It's a fun game to play with friends. In the newest version, there's a story mode you can play by yourself. You unlock different fights on a very pretty map. Despite all this, people will still say Melee or Brawl is their favorite. Since we're talking about Super Smash Brothers, let's talk about its creator, Masahiro Sakurai. He's also the creator of Kirby. 
He created the character of Kirby when he was only 19. Like, I can't imagine doing anything that amazing when I was 19. I, I was pretty fucking stupid. Sakurai wanted both beginners and experienced gamers to enjoy Kirby. That's why he made Kirby have the ability to fly past most enemies and obstacles. So if you're playing with a brother or sister who... It's not very good at gaming, just just have them float above everything. Many of the Kirby games are couch co-op. There is not much of a story to the game, but the very little story that it has is very easy to follow. The games are also some of the most colorful games I have ever seen, even the older games. They're more polished and detailed than the other games that were released during this time. And Kirby teaches valuable lessons, like it's okay to kiss your friends, and the power of friendship can save the universe. Not that I would kiss any of my friends, but just, you know, it's totally okay because Kirby does it. He does it to share food, which is totally gross, but, you know, whatever. By the way, the things that look like butts in the older Kirby games are actually peaches. Apparently people don't know that. Um, I had somebody say it was a rice ball, but no, no, those are peaches. <laughs> Sakurai is also somebody who loves to game. He writes a gaming column for a magazine in Japan. He's been playing games since he was five, and he believes to be successful at something, you have to be an expert in your field. He literally owns thousands of games. He considers gaming to be a part of the development process. A lot of the spirits and items in the newest Smash Brothers are things Sakurai came up with himself. In the newest Smash Brothers game, Kirby is the only one to survive. Rumor has it that Sakurai did this because he wanted to make another Kirby game and was told no. And that's why Kirby is the main character. However, he says the reason Kirby is the only survivor in the newest Smash Brothers is because Kirby has the warp star. He says due to this, Kirby could easily escape Galem, the game's main bad guy. Today, he is only 49, so he's still pretty young, and I don't know what he has planned for the future, but it's exciting to see what other things he will create. He started a few companies. I think at this point, he's just a freelancer, and he's been hired to work on various projects. Curry says that he doesn't pick the people who are in the Super Smash Brothers games. In fact, he says way too many of the characters use swords, and Nintendo has the final say for all the characters in the game. There was a coronavirus update for Sakurai. He's, he's working on new DLC character for Smash, but it will likely be delayed due to the current pandemic. Let's talk about the GameCube. It was released in 2001. The top three sold games were Super Smash Bros., Mario Kart, and Super Mario Sunshine. Notable mentions were Animal Crossings, another Legend of Zelda game, and Luigi's Mansion. It wasn't a console I personally own, so I don't have any stories to tell about it. Sorry guys! The Nintendo DS came out in 2004. I don't know if this will surprise you, but it was the most popular console that Nintendo has. Which is understandable because at $150, it's a more affordable console to get, plus you can bring it everywhere with you like a Game Boy. It has updated graphics and a lot of games are available on it. The DS was also backwards compatible with Game Boy Advance games, which is pretty awesome. The most popular games for the DS were Super Mario, again, Mario Kart, Dogs, and Animal Crossings. They eventually made a 3DS which had 3D features, which I didn't really like to use. 
Animal Crossings is a game we didn't really talk about that much. The first one was released on the GameCube and the 64. Animal Crossing is a game where you are in debt over a house you bought. You work by selling fish and fruit in order to pay off this debt. You have various animal people who live around you. You're constantly upgrading your house and trying to make it look nice. An interesting feature, and I don't know if all the games have this, but you can design your own clothes. The newest game is on the Switch, and during COVID, a lot of people were enjoying playing it. It's a really fun game, and I already put over 100 hours into it. Celebrities who like this game are Ben Swartz, Brie Larson, and Elijah Wood. Moving on to the Wii and Wii U. The Wii was released in 2012, the most popular game. Wii Sports, Mario Kart again, Mario Brothers also again. I have played a bit of Wii Sports with friends and I can see why it's popular. It has multiple games you can play, all varying in difficulty. The Wii was made with the concept that the developers wanted players to interact with the gaming console a bit more. The Wii isn't the first console to have motion controls, but it's the first one to do it very well. And I'm sorry if I'm not mentioning certain games or going over all the facts about certain ones, but I'm trying to cover what I can. The newest console is the Nintendo Switch, and it's already the third highest selling console Nintendo has. The best selling games? Super Mario Odyssey, Super Smash Brothers, Mario Kart, and The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. The games all look really polished and I was amazed when I saw how beautiful they all really are. Nintendo has really high standards for the games they're releasing on the Switch. They even told Metroid Prime 4 to redo their work because they didn't think it was good enough. If you play for Nintendo Online, you can enjoy things like the Super Nintendo app. Apps have popular games like Kirby, Breath of Fire, it's definitely worth it if you want to play these. Plus, with having the Nintendo Online, you're able to play with friends online. We're about ready to wrap things up, and if you haven't heard, Nintendo is actually going to be opening a Super Nintendo Land. From the pictures, it looks like it's very Super Mario heavy, which is kind of disappointing, but also kind of cool. I'm hoping it comes stateside, but there's really no news of it right now. You can find some pictures online, and I know I really want to go to Japan once it's opened, though I hate crowds, so I don't really know if I would want to do that. It doesn't really seem like something that would be fun to do by yourself either, so... Imagine being that sad person that's at a theme park by yourself, like, no thanks. And that's our episode on Nintendo. I hope this was at least entertaining to listen to. I know it was very short. I wrote like six pages and I expected it to be longer, but oh well. This is the first episode, so this is all experimental. If you liked what you heard, please leave a review or like. Follow me on Instagram at pocket underscore last. I do post art on there mostly, but I guess I'm going to combine it with the podcast page. You can also email any corrections, comments, or questions, or even if you just want to say hi to pocketlastpodcast at gmail.com. I hope you enjoyed the show. Take care.